Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. This is Simon Sweetman. This is episode 55. Brought to you as always by Phantom Bill Stickers. And we have support from Lafare, Tea Leaf Tea and Yeasty Boys. This is me having a conversation with uh, a Wellington-based drummer, uh, producer, beatmaker, multi-instrumentalist, musical genius, I think, uh, Ricky Gooch. Um, You probably know that name, but if you're listening to this, and if you don't, then you certainly know the names that he has worked with. Trinity Roots, Fat Freddy's Drop, Crowded House, Beck Rugger, Orchestra of Spheres, um, The Spines. Uh, yeah, loads and loads, and he's also performed uh, music with uh, Jonathan Crayford. He's recorded albums under the name Era Danger Spiel. He DJs under a bunch of different names, um, perhaps most prominently at the moment Cave Circles, which is, uh, and he plays at a, a, a sort of famous supergroup of Wellington experimental musicians, the Lab Coats. Um, I know that name's been mentioned on a couple of other episodes. He's worked with David Long, a previous guest of the podcast uh, working with him on some of his uh, soundtrack his orchestral scores there's sort of really nothing Ricky hasn't done or won't try with music and uh, and I've known him for getting on to 20 years and uh, so it's been amazing watching and listening to uh, his development as a musician all the different things he's done and We've had a couple of times where we've sat down and had a sort of semi-formal interview, like to, to plug a show that he's been working on or whatever, but uh, mostly we've just every now and then we'll get together and hang out and have a chat, and it, it often ends up us talking about drums. Um, but we hadn't seen each other for quite a while when I recorded this. Uh, just recently I recorded this conversation. We'd, uh, we'd talked about doing... Uh, God, Ricky's probably like number one or two on the list of people I wanted to talk to when I started this podcast. He's been a bit of a ghost in a way because that music that you can hear underneath, um, that you hear every week, that's that's something that he wrote and gave to me to use for the podcast. So in a way I feel like he's always kind of been here but never been in the hot spot, never been in the seat. And uh, we talked about it a few times and it just didn't quite line up. So it was a real pleasure to to kind of reconnect with an old friend and and to get him to share so many of these great stories of of working with you know internationally famous musicians, uh, producers, to just coming up with things at his house, uh, kitchen sink drum beats, um, and yeah, you'll hear lots of the music underneath that he's been involved with and that he's made himself. And I sort of wish nothing for the best, but for this guy because I think he's I really think he's a world class uh, musical genius, a real talent. So this is me talking with Ricky Gooch. God, I'm trying to think because I mean we haven't seen each other for a while, but I was actually also yeah. trying to work out when we first met because it's going back towards 20 years. I reckon. Oh, yeah, it would be, man. It's which, uh... is, which is crazy because I met you before Trinity. That's right. I don't. Um, we didn't know each other particularly well, but I met you a couple of times. Just you were. I guess part of that, all of those jazz school guys. Yep. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's how I refer to it. Like, but there was a, a year or two, there all were right. a couple of really bumper, I'm sure every year is great, but there, it felt like there were a couple of real, sort of a bumper crop one or two years. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, but, that, but that's getting close to 20 years ago. It is coming is, up 20 years, yeah. It'd be like, well, I guess it's like around that time, it would have been the first year of Trinity, which was like 98. Yeah. So that's crept up pretty fast. Yeah. And I know it's a pretty kind of, um, it's a good yield of players yeah. around that time yeah, from yeah. memory. Yeah. And the scene was quite, I mean, quite different to how it is now. Actually, 
the way I feel like things are happening now is quite similar to what was happening. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely more of a community kind of um, going on and... Um, and I guess kind of there's that mix of like club culture was still quite mm. sort of strong in Wellington. Yeah. So was that mixing in with the sort of jazz nerds. So where did you come from before that? Like musically, like where, I mean, I know a little bit about this, but um, I've probably forgotten that. And I'm going to pretend I have so that you can bring it up. But where did you first connect with music? Well, I, I grew up in Dunedin. So I grew up, I was down there for like 20 years of my life, the first yeah. 20 years. And... Um, I'm actually really grateful for that experience because I think it it shaped or informed me for um, later years. Yeah. A lot of uh, the taste that I have for things now. Yeah. Like, I was lucky to sort of grow up and see bands like the 3Ds and, you know, Snapper and, yeah. um, you know, that whole kind of um, sound that, that comes from Dunedin. Yeah, yeah. You know, as a teenager and as a yeah. young teenager sneaking into the Empire or yeah. the Crown Hotel yeah. and seeing, or at Sammy's, you know, and seeing the 3Ds just blast the roof off it. Mm. And, you know, and then at the same time, kind of, Supergroup would come to town or something and kind of be impressed, but be like, wow, what is this kind of, mm. felt quite mainstream or something. Yeah. So already I felt like I'd sort of grown up around, uh, as a um, sort of teenager, around quite extreme music for mm. the time. Mm. And... I definitely feel like that's kind of informed what I do now in a, in a lot of ways. Um, so it's kind of, but before that, growing up in Dunedin, I was sort of, um, I got into music at a really early age, um, grew up in a pretty rough area of Dunedin, so the best thing to do was to stay inside yeah. and practice. Yeah. And um, But luckily my um, uh, my dad and my mum, they there was an opening for a, a brass band, a young junior brass band yeah. that was happening there, so... When I was about eight or nine, I joined the junior band and and then got and slipped into the whole thing of like quite disciplined practice and yeah and I guess kind of more um, in terms like kind of more of a classical background, got into yeah. like the youth orchestra and did all that kind of thing. So I had a grounding and sort of this kind of weird um, crossover of like a good grounding and sort of uh, music theory and the discipline of practicing and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, playing in a, a big ensemble and all that kind of thing, mixed with in quite traditional forms of learning, mixed with this kind of extreme kind of sonic kind mm. of exploration of like um, a lot of these bands that were in Dunedin. So it's such a kind of interesting, when I look yeah. back on it, it's quite an interesting sort of merging to sort of then come to Wellington and then sort yeah. of jump straight to a reggae band. Yeah, so what's the, what's the decision to move here? Is it jazz school or do you move here before yeah. that or...? Well, the, the, actually, the one reason I... There's two reasons why I moved to Wellington. Um, in the Rock Quest, I can't remember which year, it might be 93 or 94, Yeah. I entered with my um, sort of shitty band that I was playing with at the time. And um, and uh, there was a band called Juice from Invercargill, or from yeah. Bluff, actually, and they all turned up in these kind of... Uh, bright sort of pink and fluoro orange dungarees yeah and it's just a three piece and everybody kind of I mean sort of laughed at them and had these kind of like kid and play haircuts and they got up on stage and destroyed it like <laughs> amazing and the drummer was just fucking like the sickest drummer I'd ever seen like technically yeah yeah and that happened to be Darren Mathiason right right yeah so then and then I got to meet Darren on that night and d- discovered that he was like one of the nicest people on the yeah, planet as yeah. well and then <laughs> and then sort of like kind of kept tabs on who this guy Darren was and then I heard mm. through the grapevine that he'd um, 
moved to Wellington to study with Roger Sellers. So yeah. then I've got, well, who's this? You know, like I find out who that guy is. Yeah. yeah, didn't realize there was a school, and I was kind of by that stage I was getting really into the drums and really wanting to extend, and knowing that if I stuck around in Eden, I just um, probably wouldn't be able to get to the next stage or learn about jazz in that way or whatever. Yeah. So followed, uh, I guess in a way, I followed Darren up to Wellington um, and I still didn't really know him or anything but um, our paths crossed many times later on yeah. of course but it was cool so we um, yeah that brought me here and I remember I was working at Wickles Office Products uh, just having a really miserable time working in the store playing and just doing random gigs probably getting drunk too much whatever just living that Dunedin life yeah yeah. and uh, I as um would have been like 1996, end of 96, going into 97, I rang up the jazz school saying, oh, is there any spaces for an audition, and spoke to Paul Dine, and uh, he said, look, no, we don't, we've already filled the positions, and then I sort of begged him on the phone and said, oh, please, <laughs> don't understand, I've got to get out of here, <laughs> and uh, Paul was very kind enough to give me an audition, so saved up the money, flew up here, Yeah. Um, shitting myself all through this audition but then knowing well I could read these charts they're giving me I understood the sort of theory and I thought well I like play a Latin bleat play a swing beat and I had a couple of those things already down just from um, the jazz orchestra in Dunedin and things yeah. so luckily I managed to get into that year so they managed to find a place and then um, yeah so it all kind of started from there but to be honest with you I was just just a useless like at like jazz school I was just hopeless you know all over the place just immature kind of not focused I kind of lost the plot a bit I think yeah sort of coming up here yeah um, but from that just sort of um, you know I met Rio and Warren because Warren was teaching he yeah, was an yeah. amazing teacher like yeah. he was um, man he could yeah really he was quite a um, a mentor to lots, lots of, people, of people right yeah, even like, outside of the school even outside oh man, of his yeah. instrument yeah know, like yeah, yeah I, totally. remember, I remember sort of the legend yeah. of him yeah. as a teacher before i ever saw him play yeah you know i um, and he still he has that um yeah i remember him like making the soloist solo on one note yeah. So forget about the scales and stuff. Say it with one note. Yeah. So everyone's going. <laughs> just try to get that feeling, you know, yeah, like yeah. that, um, that rawness. Just brilliant. Yeah. And it was kind of like, and met Rio that year mm. too. So it was kind of like, well, Rio was third year um, playing bass. I was first year. And then Warren was, so it was kind of like this crazy sort of, you know, respect thing going on, which, you know, we still have in a lot of ways. Mm. And, so yeah, so kind of like within a year and a half, sort of just merging, being I guess a kind of small city bogan moving up here, yeah. you know, and then just kind of had a good opportunity to play with both Warren and Rio. Like Warren wanted to start a little trio, so. So my my memory might not be quite right here, but I reckon the first Trinity Roots gig is University Battle of the Bands, which you guys yeah. win. Yeah. And I was in a band that came last <laughs> in that same uh, in that same competition. And I, and I, I did, we did. We did. Julia Deans was one of the judges. That's right, yeah. And I think she said, like, you guys are the worst <laughs> you know, thing I've ever seen. And, um, and, uh, and I, she wouldn't have been wrong. But I think the Black Seeds pretty much debuted in that too. Might have been oh, the following year, but I've, maybe they were the following year. But 
Anyway, they started up around the same time, right? Yeah, and I feel that's like right, yeah. It was, so it was your first gig, Trinity's first. It was our first public gig. Yeah. Our first kind of like, I lived in a, um, our first kind of, actually sort of first gig outside, because leading up to our first performance, we'd get together, like, we put so much practice in, yeah. it was crazy. Like, we'd, we'd, we'd turn up at Warren's place, you know, we'd get there at like nine or ten in the morning or whatever, be there all day just practicing these things yeah. and toning and just working on stuff for like about six or seven months. And then um and then I was living on Blair Street, fifteen Blair Street, and uh, I had a big flat up there and um we had a party and I thought well there could be a good chance for right, us to play right, and we yeah. played up there, um and Moore was in the band at that stage right, too. Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. So the first and then the first public gig was the Battle of the Bands and um and then I think the second one that wasn't like the first gig outside of the yeah. Battle of the Bands, the yeah. first kind of you guys are out there would be in the window of Fidel's. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah. Because um, look, I, I, I vividly remember being in that Battle of the Bands audience watching, and there was this kind of hushed reverence around you guys. Like, you know, it, I think like it was such a perfect trio or, or band because it was, wasn't always just a trio but it was such a perfect um timing as well like because I, I and i can remember um you know you line them up now and they don't actually really talk to each other but it fitted with things like the explosion of things like ben harper in new zealand and that sort of stuff and i can yeah. remember being in that audience and, and actually like sort of these whispered sort of apparently this is their first gig and I remember someone saying to me fuck how much have these guys practiced you know it was, it was <laughs> kind of like you know this real electric feeling watching it and and Warren commanded you know the whole sitting down thing and stuff like yep. he just commanded sort of utmost respect and people were interested to, and then it was like oh that's not even his real instrument you know the guy's a, sax, <laughs> yeah. the guy's a saxophone player you know, yeah yeah sort of stuff. it's pretty awesome it was mate. pretty cool like yeah and I, I loved, actually, really, always kind of like, really, I've always kind of like respected Warren for the fact that he wanted to sit down as well. Yeah. Because he just felt like, he said, I feel more comfortable. Well, doing that. I'm just thinking, perform as much. thinking about this now, but it's like exactly what I love about, um, you know, a good band or music is like, there's your backstory, and your backstory is entirely about music. Yeah. You know, your backstory is not this guy went off and did this first and and this is this dude's father and he, ca- he came from here and there it's all about music but it's yeah. about like these guys just met they met at school that guy doesn't even play the guitar like he you know he teaches saxophone but here he is playing the guitar it's all it's a backstory but it's all yeah music focused yeah that's right you know? it was very much about the music because you know warren too like i think with both rio and i um I'm speaking on behalf of Rio here, but I know we're very much, were, you know, he was very much like such a good band leader and yeah. and wrote, uh, I guess felt like we learned so much actually in that time too, because he's very much a master of what he was doing. He's already like uh, superbly proficient at playing horn and just yeah. being able to actually tell a story through yeah. music. So it's kind of like this sort of, um, yeah, it's already such a growthful um, sort of period really yeah. in a lot of ways mixed with kind of this weird hyped energy as well yeah. which I was going to say so how 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 does the trajectory play out like it 
feels like things just go up and up and up for that band for yeah. pretty much right through until the second album. Yeah. It, and is that is that how you remember it? Like it was just constant yeah. sort of forward momentum and, you know, the gigs get bigger, the audience gets bigger. Yeah. And I, I think it was, uh, yeah, it just seemed to go pretty quickly. Yeah. I think because it just happened to be the right kind of the right time for that thing yeah, to happen exactly so it just sort of landed on that um but then you know to be completely honest you know like during that time of it sort of moving upwards and things and and it all kind of growing really well you know um you know if i'm completely honest like you know at that time my life was pretty messed up so like yeah. a lot of ways i sort of fell off the wagon a fair bit and this probably wasn't ready to actually sort of i guess um deal with that you know um yeah. so that's where darren comes in again yeah, you know, yeah. then darren jumps into the fold and i jump off drums because it's like well you know the uh, warren and rio going oh, come on man you're just your drumming's just turning to shit you know yeah. we need to and we need to move forward and um and then i think moo left the band about the same time and then he's like i'll start my home set then that didn't work out that well for him <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of replaced Mo, Darren replaces you yeah essentially in, in the Trinity yeah. lineup. Yeah. yeah 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 so it's kind of a weird I mean there's no kind of rule book there's, you know there's no kind of or handbook to yeah. how you, these things happen it's yeah. like you know you've got basically a bunch of dudes yeah <laughs> like with all different dynamic kind of ranges going on that are just sort of plonked together yeah and this thing with with a, an immense drive behind it so yeah. it can kind of but as the years sort of panned on you know things just keep growing more and more and um the feeling of it felt like it was a real as it sort of got bigger it kind of went off it sort of slipped away from any potential of being a mainstream kind of thing yeah and it found its own kind of audience and its own strength really because yeah. it's it became very much it felt like like a people's band and yeah, yeah. is accessible and yet we sort of from all that work we'd put in previously to work with uh, in those six months of doing that intense practice I think that was the vital into the band actually kind of having that connection so it had that sort of um, there's so many elements from the jazz score like all the good stuff like with the improvising mm. um, element and the sort of the idea of long forms and that kind of thing and spin out a different um, changes of gear in terms of energy and things and that's why I think I made Trinity such a great live band yeah, you know, yeah. and could really hit those big peaks and be really dynamic and bring them down to nothing and, you So know. what else is going on for you musically while you're in Trinity or or <clears throat> in that stage where you're perhaps thinking about not being in Trinity, what's you know what's happening around there for you? Well, it's that's the main focus for for you know a pretty intense period of time. Yeah, well, uh, around that time when Moo left, um, and then I sort of moved moved over onto what Moo was doing um, with the NPC. It kind of I started getting into like making music with the NPC. So yeah. I learned about sampling and and. Uh, working with more synthesizers and su- and that kind of thing and, and getting more into sort of sample based music and DJing as yeah, well yeah. so kind of that open sort of jumped into that world as a bit of a kind of uh, with no idea of what I was doing and still really no idea what I'm doing now but well you say no idea but you you mean self-taught self-taught yeah so you that, have some idea yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. kind of so I sort of jumped into that world which I guess is more kind of led me into more of a club kind of world yeah. you know like learning 
and sort of embracing techno and house music and drum and bass at the time and um and then lots of rap music as well so um and so i kind of yeah sort of like made a big um sort of jump into that yeah and then just started discovering that wonderful world of you know of sort of electronic music and sample based music so it was kind of like around about that time as well when I met Jonathan Crayford yeah and then which was the catalyst to getting back into the drums again so sort of playing with um Jonathan was just kind of like right you know um stop fucking around like you need to you know you need to do more work you know like <laughs> yeah. shit you know and then meeting Ant Donaldson as well yeah who is you know um uh, Anthony I would say hands down is like such a um such an important person in my life you know yeah, my musical yeah. life and you know he was like really look at him like a dad you know like he's um so he spent so many hours and so many days just with me like yeah. helping me build stuff with drums and, and making you know would spend hours up at um Arthur Street up at yeah. Pan 9 just yeah. like, like every day um you know five six days a week I'd meet him up there and be like listening to like Andrew Cyril and like learning about Julian Prester and all the like the history of kind of like European jazz and like see I, I remember wandering into Bodega and seeing the Razorblades play yeah without knowing anything about what I was going to see and it was amazing yeah it was a, it was you know <laughs> not quite life changing but it wasn't far off it it was just yeah. like fuck there are people in the same city as me doing this you yeah because like, <laughs> this is when I was like 20 or whatever yeah this is a couple of years back from where we're at your timeline but so that was my first experience connecting with with what he was about and and, yeah. and as it turned out a whole lot of other great players many of whom are still yeah well absolutely killing it all over the place in all sorts of yeah. ensembles and, and things but it was it was just like fuck I knew there were some great musicians here but yeah and it great was a real thinkers, yeah, yeah exactly I was going to say it was a yeah. real catalyst for seeing how people could think outside yeah, of the box and yeah. where they could stretch things to and just really having that kind of knowledge of yeah. of things and like Jeff Anderson's the same yeah. like sort of like when he's running the space in Newtown yeah. and then from there kind of met you know and again it's through Trinity got, had the opportunity to meet all these people yeah and Crayford of course is another one and Crayford is one, one yeah. of those people yeah, yeah and uh, so yeah like look at it and I often think about it now most days and I've been feeling grateful to have met these people and it's never been easy either it's been yeah. you know quite hard times with it and a lot of times where you've got to really suck it up and go fuck okay yeah I do suck you know like I do need to work harder I do need to get yeah. better at this you know these um and Anthony would always tell me that he goes where's the blood you know yeah. like where's you know that'd be the captain's like you know he'd be like oh that was you know that was all right or you know but it's always comes from a place of love and yeah. wanting to see you do well and knowing that you've got more in you than that yeah you know? yeah I was going to say knowing and Crayford's like that you know Jeff Henderson's like that they're all the so you know pretty blessed I reckon in, um, in this little city to have so many great minds you know yeah 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 so you start thinking that you start get, getting back into play the drums what makes you finish up with Trinity well, what happens at the end oh, there? So, yes. How does that fall away for you? Well, Darren leaves the band. That was quite... That was really complicated with uh, Darren's exit. And... Um, so, yeah, jump back in on the drums. And by that stage, I've been playing with Jonathan Yeah, right. Heath. So, you're skill... You're so feeling... I just feel like I'm getting on top yeah, of... Yeah, you know, yeah. With Jonathan and I were playing, like, five or six nights a week. Yeah. yeah this is relentless. he just come back from New York. Yeah. He just wanted to play all the time. And then... 
uh, I just went with him and yeah. so it's like going to jazz school like you know yeah, every by night. Equipment, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting, yeah. and so like sort of getting back into the drums and it was a really great period of just playing and Jonathan came and joined as well with Trinity and then Chris O'Connor would come on some of the tours yeah. um, which was amazing because he's another hero another of mine one. yeah yeah and um, and so but then the band everything was going sweet with the band right up to that point then it just all kind of just you know on hindsight looking back there's all these kind of like external factors come into it like yeah. in terms of when the band becomes a business and yeah. We're all kind of like naive to it and not really knowing and you know we got ourselves into a lot of shit with it and it's the classic thing of like when you know um just not having been on top of a certain aspect of your business you know it's going to fall over and that's essentially what happened yeah um so it all kind of ended a bit pear-shaped but we did do like we did do a last gig we actually we did about four last gigs i think of yeah. my memory yeah um and it was good you know it was it was fine it kind of ended pear-shaped but it's never been like it's never been hostile or yeah, yeah. i mean i still love those guys dearly and yeah. I'm so grateful for like the whole experience you know with them and but it kind of fell away and then we all just kind of went and from there just kind of like, we all ventured off you to got, do our thing yeah i was gonna say you guys all just ended up yeah the band had, the, the way trinity is the band had sort of given us enough kind of what, to what i think is quite interesting without knowing um the other guys very well at all but no, you know knowing them enough and seeing them play enough in a few different guises is that it's one of those things where you each took what you bring to trinity and mm. you took it somewhere else like it's still identifiable in the, in the music that each of you have ended up making yeah you know it's true actually you know? yeah 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 it's um yeah it's a, uh, i mean most obviously for a lot of people with warren because of the voice yeah the songwriting voice and also the vocal you know like his voice it's, it's usually easiest to spot that in a vocalist but i think it's true with, with you and rio as well yeah i definitely think that you know like rio's music now has kind of got that um beautiful humility to it yeah and quite minimal big open expansive sound that's yeah that's him you know that's yeah i mean the songs that he brought to trinity were very much like that very kind of he plays where he's thinking as a composer and arranger while he's playing yeah 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 it's um yeah he's got such a uh, sort of beautiful voice to his music yeah yeah and i feel like uh and i definitely i would agree with you on that too because i feel like a lot of the I guess a lot of that kind of intensity that as a drummer in a band like that too you kind of jumping yeah. across these things you know and they they do inform everything else you yeah. know i still feel like there's a lot of things from that period too that i still would probably bring in today you know yeah 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 that's yeah. very much it so but you end up resurfacing in, in some this this is where like you know um you start resurfacing in quite a variety of contexts you play on a big runner record and tour yeah Layla Adu's records um what else so yeah around that time uh, I met Recluse as well so yep. did a lot of uh, playing with Recluse which was awesome yep. you know he's uh, an incredible um writer and producer uh and also Crowded House around that time as well yeah yeah so had the um, so yeah so that was uh around about the same that was just after Beck yeah um because you would have met Neil on that tour. On that tour, yeah. So Neil, did the was, Birds play, album. Neil was playing piano. Yeah, so that was... Um, the All-Star Band. The All-Stars, yeah. Shane Carter and Anna Coddington and Anita Moa were the it's kind of vocalists, like the, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It was, it was an amazing tour, though. 
Oh, it was such a cool. Actually, we took um, to my daughter Maya. She was only she would have been like six months old. She came on the whole tour, yeah, so right. she became the. And was that was that the one flight of the Concords with the opening act? Flight of the Concords yeah, with I mean, the opening act. Amazing, yeah. It was an amazing show. I, yeah, it was incredible. And yeah, that album was incredible. And I remember talking to you about that album. You saying like that was one of the one of the. I think you were quite proud of your playing on that album, or something, yeah. Like, yeah, something like that, which I think is <laughs> you were very fair about. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of, but it was definitely like, uh, <laughs> you know, at the time, because I was sort of in the safety net of playing with the with the with the guys, you know, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. in your little community, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> Now you're out with the big boys. Yeah. You've got a Sony record uh, playing on this. You know, you're playing. You're recording live takes. The whole thing. You know, yeah. to like two inch. So you can't fuck anything up. It's got to be. Yeah. You know, if you're doing that, then you're costing everybody time and money. Um. So it was a real kind of projection forward into that. Yeah. Like I guess more sort of big session kind of world, and it was really good. I learned heaps through it. You know, and um. And it was amazing working with Beck, you know, like, I, I thought she's, you know, an example of somebody who really leads from the front and is kind of like quite a timid, shy person, yes. but then was always the has, first person at the studio and the last person to leave. And has the skills, you has know, the skills and, and, and has the, uh, I mean, I, I only know her a little bit, but I've, I've, I've kept up with her music and she has... Um, a good broad vision of what to bring to music. You know, yeah, she, she's well listened. Gosh, she's got amazing taste. Yeah, yeah. Some amazing taste in music and yeah. like even fashion. Yeah. With like uh, so many things. I mean, but like actually, the first one of my first memories of Beck is um, like we played in Tolaga Bay and she was there with her um, then partner Daryl and she came and played. And we sort of got to meet, and she watched Trinity, and then wasn't long after that, when once Trinity had broken up, I was going, "Oh no, I'm about to have a baby soon. What am I going to do? Like, I've got no work. You know, Maya's going to be here in a few months, and what am I going to do?" And then I get this phone call it's from Beck, going, oh, "Hey, it's Beck here." And, was, and she goes, "Oh look, um, I've got uh, my drummer Joey Waronka. He um, he can't come out to do record these demos because." Yeah. It's been some contractual thing. Something went on with Joey and his management, so we need a drummer to do the and, demos. And, and Joey's probably to, to give context to this. He's probably got to go and play with with the other Beck. Yeah. Beck Hanson or REM or something like that. Yeah. This is a yeah. Big, big deal player, right? The yeah. International, he's international like, drummer, a great drummer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Joey's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, um, so she uh, said, look, we'd love you to come up and just record the demos for two weeks. Yeah. So I um, went, oh, of course, I'd love to, you know, yeah. like, so I went up and did that. And as it turned out, kind of did the writing, did the demo thing. And then she just went, I'll just keep you on for the album because you're just part of the sound now. Yeah. So yeah. you don't need Joey to come for the album. So that was kind of cool. We went back and recorded the album. And that was kind of where I got to meet Neil and Shane. Well, yeah. I've met Shane a few times before that. But yeah, down south. But Anika and Anna and the whole sort of um, crazy circus family thing was <laughs> such an interesting, uh, such a brave exercise on Big's part. But um, yeah, I almost feel like you could put all those personalities together again now. Yeah, well, it's just totally like Big led it so well, you know, because she has this sort of gentle kind of calming, calming thing. But yeah, that's my the first sort of time I went up to stay with. I mean, she picked me up from the airport. She goes, "Oh, I thought we'd just cruise back to um, Daryl, you know, Daryl my place out in Titarangi and." We've got a, um, we can watch some movies and stuff and I thought that'd be cool when we get there and Beck has got like these videos on like drum tuning. Yeah. That's the stuff she's into. Like, 
it's just like oh man you're just the coolest person like that's the stuff she loves watching yeah, yeah. total kind of uh studio nerd yeah yeah and uh so um yeah again it was such an amazing experience in terms of again like this growth period of like going well um you know you're dealing with music your musical ideas and decision making as well as kind of the pressure of the whole commerce side of it you know and having to i guess just um be able to like deliver like that and not really being um not being that well versed in that kind of technique you know sort of like of being like a a session drummer that plays like you know 12 dates a, a week or something yeah you know like um so it was really it was cool and that kind of um that from there led on to the crowded house yeah so you were going to say something about neil meeting neil for the first time or inter- yeah interacting um, with him around that around the recording of that album yeah it was really great it was kind of um got to um meet neil and that was it was kind of um really amazing actually it's kind of because i guess at the time too I, my headspace was in such a different place musically i mean because around this time too i'm playing in the lab coats yeah sort of ran into some weird music yeah and weird ideas so at the same time as doing this i was enjoying it and stuff but musically it just felt like such a quite a, a removal from where i was yeah, yeah. where i was at in terms of my taste and stuff but so meeting neil was kind of like well you know this is pretty cool I didn't really have a context, I guess, to um, musical context to put it in for a start yeah. until we started playing, and then discovering he's such a uh, musical force and yeah. all the ideas he'd bring to everything were, were great. And we just uh, developed a really good friendship on that tour, and um, and a good understanding. And it's just, I guess, because you know, with Maya being there and Tash was there as well, he was my partner at the time. Yeah, um, we sort of got quite close and. And then he was just like, oh, look, I'm, I'm going to record an album. Um, I'd love you to come and play. Uh, and I was like, of course. And he goes, come and move to Auckland, come and live. So do you know that it's a Crowded House album, or is it just a Neil, a Neil Finn project at that point? Because I was uh, going to say, this is this is him uh, yeah. sort of in a limbo. Like, he's done a couple of solo albums, then he does sits in on Beck's album, and then he sort of sneaks Crowded House together again so I wonder how yeah. if you remember how that was put to you I'm just trying to remember the, uh, the actual kind of mechanisms behind yeah, that yeah. because it's like because um, around that time Paul Hester died yes I remember that I'm not too sure if that was before I forgot with Vic's tour I'm not actually I can't actually yeah I can't remember, remember the timeline on that but I've, I've, I've obviously that was the context for Neil for putting the band together putting way, the band together one way or another like yeah yeah and it was sort of like um at the time, I remember it definitely wasn't a Crowded House album at the time. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you know, I'm going to record an album. Yeah. It'd be good to find a bass player if you know of any bass players. Yeah. And um, it'd be good to actually record. I've got a bunch of songs that I've got mm-hmm. sitting there. And then I remember I went up and Neil and I would go out to his place in Piha for like a couple of weeks and just be demoing up stuff and trying to put the stuff together. And that's when Round here, the studio that he's got now, was upstairs yeah. Yeah. up on the top floor. And it was still kind of barren and still being built and um and as it sort of turned more it just felt like it needed to be a crowded house record so it was kind of like at the time ethan johns was producing so ethan came in and then um neil felt it was right to get paul um nick nick yeah it would have felt right for um for neil to get nick back in yeah um nick seymour back into the fold so yeah. 
then it just became then we recorded the album together but again at the time I mean I'm, I'm really open about this you know I've got like I'm sort of bipolar and have a range of mental things going on at frequent rates you know like well, I did have around at that time so I think that mix that mix the pressure and and stuff because it really did feel like a lot of pressure but I, would, I would say that working yeah. with Neil Finn at, at any stage in any of our lives would be one of the most pressured situations that a musician can have like, yeah and in terms of uh, you've got to deliver like, yeah because this is a record that's going to get heard around yeah, the world and, and this is a guy whose shit if it doesn't mean anything to you personally before you've started playing with him, and I'm sure it did on whatever level, mm. but it sure as hell does to just about everyone else, right? Oh, <laughs> so, totally, yeah. yeah, and they have that sort of thing, and that Ethan was there, and you know, like, yeah. sort of, um, but you know, to be really, really fair, you know, like, it was um, fair to Neil, you know, like, he, I never, never was on a, you know, not once did I feel like I was disrespected by him or anything, you yeah. know, like, he's always kind of we always got on level and he was actually always quite supportive I think he knew what was going on and yeah um and was very supportive but you know at the same time he said to me numerous times you know I feel like you know doing this it just gets harder and harder you know yeah just to try and put out songs just trying to write good songs gets harder and harder as you get older and the further down you get because you're kind of going well how can I not repeat myself not repeat myself and go through these kind of yeah the artistic curve and yeah <clears throat> had immense respect for that because it just uh, made me realise that well man you know it's hard for me in this situation but it must be really hard for you yeah, with yeah. Parlophone you know backing the album and da 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 and all this sort of thing so um, as it turned out I um, yeah it kind of turned out that I was you know I still played on the record and that's stuff, the Time so. on Earth record Time on Earth record yeah, yeah. so this is the first Crown House reunion record yeah, that's right. And it's a really good album. It's yeah. got some really strong songs. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. really proud of that. And yeah. it's really, and again, I felt like I learned so much on that. Yeah. Stuff that, you know, working with Ethan especially was like, because Ethan and I were kind of like living together at that time. So like at night time and stuff, we get to talk about, you know, miking techniques or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And just talk about music in general. And uh, I'd always take along some records each day to the studio, like play like Milford Graves. Yeah, yeah. And Ethan would be like, oh, mate, where's the, where's the time in that? And I was like, bring Shuggy Otis along or something. He's going, yeah. oh, who's this? I'm going, well, man, you never heard Shuggy Otis? What? Yeah. But, um, oh, it's cool, man. It was awesome. And But as it turned out, you know, it, it really felt around about that time that it was becoming Crowded House. Yeah. So I was like, well... And I wasn't well at the time, so it's kind of like, well, I'm not the obvious choice to actually be the drummer, you know. Yeah. So, but at the same time, I got to have a. Um, it was really cool because uh, at the time I was devastated by it. I thought, oh shit, you know. I thought I was in the band, yeah. you know, I did the thing, but in reality, I wasn't well enough to actually go and do a big massive tour around mm. the world, and you know, to that level. Mm. Um, but you know, I, it was still really cool because I was in Auckland, and Neil goes, "Well, do you want to come and have a play with us? Because we're auditioning drummers," and I just. It'd be cool if you just came and played, and yeah. so I went along and got to play with Neil and Nick. Got yeah. to play like. Um, so you were in Crowded House, and you played and played the songs. Yeah. Like played a whole bunch. Um, I can't even remember which. Um, locked out. Got yeah. to play all these, yeah. and uh, and it was cool. You know, and it's yeah. been it's always been really good. And when I did Edu and stuff, Neil was really supportive with studio time, and yeah. like you know he's done lots of really cool things. And since then, yeah, that yeah. have been. Um, uh, that I'm just really grateful for, you know. And I'm still, I look back on it now, at the time it was really hard, I guess because of the pressure of a family, yeah. the pressure of not being sort of well, 
yeah. all that kind of thing and really sort of banking on this um, it just felt like the whole world had fallen apart but looking back on it now in hindsight it's like, well, it was possibly the best thing that could have happened you know yeah yeah because it would have been um it's just the nature you know it's just yeah. the um the nature of it so so you come back to Wellington and you pour yourself into Field. Yeah, I started like finding my way back into the drum machines and stuff again and and still kind of like playing on people's records and doing all that kind of thing yeah. and then sort of really turning my hand at producing stuff. So You produced Holly Smith's record? Yeah, did Holly's yeah. record, um, which was again another really great learning experience. How did that come about? Uh, that came after Edu actually. Holly yeah. asked me to come and um, do it, so I got Brett Stanton and I because Brett and I had done a few things together and yeah. I love working with Brett, you know, he's um, such a great engineer and um, and it's good because we can pick it like an old couple and stuff and it's really good. But he's great so we just decided to do that together and, yeah. and um, it was a really cool experience actually working with Smithy because she, you know, um, I guess like seeing an album from seeing it through from start to finish and then doing string arrangements and doing the whole thing and then doing the final mix and sort of having to step into a producer role was a really yeah. good exercise yeah um and which again it was another thing that informs the stuff i've been doing now so it informed you know um with edu and things like that it kind of um it's the idea of going back to arranging and yeah sort of trying to put piecing things together yeah. so you Put on this giant big band Feel orchestra show with it felt like about 400 people on stage. I think yeah. it was probably slightly less than that, but yeah. it, it, it was a pretty impressive thing to to watch. How did you feel with that? Oh, it was um, you know, like I felt like <laughs> so many times I was going, "What the fuck are you doing? No, what are you?" mad you know like just keep getting ringing people to come and play it's just like that's gotta stop like you just can't you know yeah but i don't know i guess it was an idea i, I just kind of had this idea of like trying to make some kind of warp kind of soul music but like this sort of with this big kind of energy behind it that was yeah. what it, the idea of it was um but yeah the um bex coey who was uh she was managing a lot of my stuff at the time. Yeah. She kind of facilitated Auckland um, Town Hall, Auckland City Council. Yeah. They have this thing where they give up the town hall to like um, five or six different composers or performers each yeah. year. Yeah. Where you can have the town hall um, for free and they'll pay for all the security and all the sort of running costs of it. Yeah. So you can actually do something in the hall, which is a really cool initi- initiative. And Bex managed to hook me up with, with that. So they're like, well, you've got the Auckland Town Hall to do what you want with. And I thought, yeah. well, I'd already started putting this sort of kind of sort of funky kind of big band thing together. And I thought, well, this would be the perfect vehicle for that. So, um, so I've been making this music uh, as a way, because I lost a really good friend called Eddie who like committed suicide um, and really was struggling at the time with it and I found a sort of real kind of uh, comfort in music and making music and a lot of riffs that we used to come up with together so yeah. I started putting into these sort of beats and things and like things you used to say I turn into lyrics and kind of yeah. just really kind of um, quite discreet things that were part of our friendship that I started expressing into this kind of quite simple sort of music you know and so it was it was cool that it, I thought you know I don't felt like I've 
grieved properly or sent him yeah. off properly so I wanted yeah. to do it with a with a bang so yeah, I thought yeah. this would be the perfect way to do it is to sort of like send him off with a bang yeah, with, yeah. With, with these songs Yeah. so that was the sort of motivation behind it and I thought yeah. okay I can do this and then pretty much didn't sleep for like the next sort of few months <laughs> you know <clears throat> just sort of run myself right down trying to do it and then you know like I sort of thought well you know it's kind of like a huge ask to get you know, there's, there's like 35 people in the band, and then the all, and then the choir, and then the visual yeah. things. I said, you know, it's a big thing to think that you're going to be able to pull this off cleanly. You know, yeah. but you know, part of me was like, well, fuck it, I'm just going to do it anyway because you know, these people are really good at playing, and I'm just going to accept all the faults, all the sloppy bits, everything that's just still part of the yeah, yeah, all the thing. You know, and um, it was kind of like, like okay, I want to create this energy. So yeah, it's crazy, man. Around that whole time, it's just really busy kind of like insanely kind of yeah uh, too much almost going on and then around that just before that time too I was away playing with Fat Freddy's and yeah. stuff so yeah. gaining these other experiences of playing with the, with the guys which was amazing you know yeah, yeah. Um, sort of getting overseas with them and realising that they're huge you know and mm. and such a mean live band you know it's kind of wow oh, man I, I could get you guys I forget this, you know, like, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing else sounds like this, or, you know, like, playing this is kind of like, yeah. well, this is, this is it, you know. So that whole time, it's all these things kind of merged in and sort of fed each other, so it was pretty, um... um but I, I, I vouched after that, uh, after doing Edu that, um... that, uh, I would not ever, never feel guilty about playing just a drum machine for yeah. the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> felt like I'd paid my dues that I'm allowed to now. Well, I was thinking, like, um, when I... I mean, what did you think of that Kamasi Washington album, the epic? Did you listen to that? Yeah, um... I mean, I think the... Oh, man, I think all the... I think the writing and the playing and everything's calling cool it. I just... I try to get... I mean, yeah, I do like it, but then there's... I don't know, I've just kind of... I kind of just feel like I've kind of maybe heard it before or something yeah. well, I was through Chris say, McGregor. If, or... if I, um, what I was going to say, but I loved it, but uh, and I know exactly what you mean. But one of the things that made me think I've heard things like that before, just in terms of a sort of audacity, would be things like the Aero Dangerous mm. show that you put on. I mean that and that was you know it was a similar yeah just... thing to that that happened way ahead of it, completely oblivious to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. similar kind of thing in a way. Well, that was around the time too that Anthony, before Edu too, Anthony had kind of uh, introduced me to like Eddie Gale. Right. Yeah. So that was Eddie Gale's huge. Just I remember the whole thing was just like the choir and yeah. just the power of the band and like, yeah. and then these kind of really sort of um, strong kind of simple choral lines over yeah. the top of these sort of this kind of crazy sort of energy, you know. I um, that really attracted me to that, and that definitely I feel like that's in Kamazi's album too. I mean, I do, I do like, I do love that album. I guess I, I listen, must have listened to it on time around. I've just been listening yeah. to so much other stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but uh, so yeah, it's definitely just I thought just that again that power of like the voice kind of um, really straight kind of singing voice, you know. That's what I wanted to try and bring yeah. to it. So you mentioned, um, you know, your mental health and being aware, you know, being aware of that, mm. like way before this. What, um, 
what does it do for you and what is it like for you to pour yourself into so many projects do you do you, do you consciously know that you're doing that as a way of coping or uh, <laughs> I'm trying to yeah. work out how to ask this. I'm just yeah, you know, I know exactly. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to 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 what experiences you have around it, yeah. and and whether you when you catch yourself thinking about basically whether this is positive or negative for your overall right you yeah. know, life and well being. It's kind of like a combination of all of those things because mm. it can be like well, the same you know making music and things can be like really therapeutic and sort of and quite balancing you know in a way and it's a good way to kind of yes. i guess sort of stabilizing the brain to sort of keep to compartmentalize yeah compartmentalize and focus and do yeah. that thing then it gets to the point where you kind of build it up to something and then okay now it's turned into a project and then yeah. you start getting then all these different stresses come in and then yeah. you've kind of like you've got this perpetual thing motion going and yeah. it gets sort of bigger and it starts getting you know it requires more work and more focus yeah. and then it can be like well then that's when you start losing sleep you start yeah. losing you know you might not eat properly you know and uh that's where it can actually flip you out again so it can kind of yeah. I definitely feel like there's been periods where because um, I, I would imagine you never know you're in the spiral yeah until you're like well in the spiral until you're like, well no in the spiral one, yeah. I, I, when i say you i mean you know hypothetically totally, you mean, yeah. like usually people don't know until uh until it's too late yeah until it's too late till someone tells them or till they realize yeah they're well down it yeah, yeah and that's that happens um and you know, as i get older now i can sort of yes. sort of learning to sort of spot those things and i um and i guess it's not over committing to things or just not um as you say you've already done lots of the really stupid like yeah. over the top big bands and, yeah. you know managing huge things and playing with internationally famous people yeah now you can just hide behind a drum machine yeah and it's just awesome it's safety yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, have just heaps of fun and just bringing it back to actually making it fun you know like, yeah, yeah um and it's that's cool so it's, well, do you have to retreat um from music altogether do you have periods where you... Because, I mean, one thing I know about you is you're one of the most well-versed and voracious music listeners I think I've ever met. Oh, wow. And, and, and uh, I would think that I could say that very easily. So I wonder like, what it's like for you to feel like you need to stop playing, but also do you ever stop listening? No, I never stop. I just never stop doing music or yeah. listening. Yeah, I can't... Like... um. Yeah, yeah even I, through these times, it's I felt like, like that must be the case. Yeah, yeah, I've always kind of like, yeah, I've never kind of looking. It's a good question because it's kind of like, oh yeah, I've actually really looked back and I've never really stopped. Yeah, there was a period there where, um, like a few years ago, I was chefing and stuff, yeah. or making. Well, actually, chefing's a bit generous term. Making pizza. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, even then, during those times of working long hours and stuff, I was still making music and. Yeah. And I don't think I'll ever stop. I mean, I've just got to do it. You know, like it's kind of cliche to and say you were also kind of... doing it in an environment where there was live music happening so that's yeah. filtering into your brain you know yeah yeah it's totally all of that eh? like yeah and all when, kind you, of... when your mind is as switched on to music as i imagine yours is even working in a kitchen in a venue you're taking a what's happening around it totally yeah and it all kind of yeah but it's like that too like i, I just kind of find um just having like some basic resources to kind of capture some ideas or music is kind of the really critical 
so like yeah. at the moment I don't really have a studio but I've got like a tiny little setup on my kitchen table that I use and it's perfect you know it's yeah. just all I need to sort of make the stuff I need to make And well it's funny you say that I was thinking um, earlier today I was thinking about talking to you in this, in this context and I was thinking I was trying to think of an example and I thought I could tell you to go into our kitchen now with a wooden spoon and a mixing bowl and a, a dripping tap and you could probably turn that into a pretty cool beat pretty quickly but do you also um, labour over things for absolutely yeah. days, months weeks, whatever to get the perfect yeah. sound on something as well? Yeah I, yeah, I do. There's like, there's lots of things like that that I'll just be like, I'll spend ages on. And I used to be like, and then I've never, I've never actually done anything with it, you know, yeah. which is the sort of weird irony with it. Like you spend all this time on it, then it, nothing happens. Um, but uh, yeah, I do a, a mixture of both. Like I, I'm really into the idea of just kind of making something as fast as you can and not thinking about yeah. it too much and using your kind of your musical kind of uh, your reactive impulses and, and all that kind of all those mechanisms that you've got as a musician to create this thing and knock it up yeah. and not sort of ruin it by getting it right you know yeah yeah <laughs> well see again to me I think that that and it's a sort of a duality I think for you that is there in your listening approach and in the I mean conversations we've had like I remember watching you play in Trinity and you know, even at a point where I didn't care that much about Trinity's music, I was always impressed with what what you brought to the drums. But then I remember talking to you and you you talking about being really proud of you playing on Beck's album. And the first time I listened to it, after you said that, I remember going, thinking it kind of strange that because we have these we have these periods where we think chops are everything, and yeah, yeah. then you get you know. And I remember then I remember listening to it and going, yeah, like th- this is. You know, Wayne Bell drumming, you know, not a note out of place, it's great, you know, it's, you know, I can see why you'd be proud of that. But then, like, we would talk about, the next breath you'd talk about Lightning Bolt, and how, you know, the guy from Lightning Bolt is one of your drum heroes. Yeah, yeah. And you wouldn't get that anywhere near a Beck (laughs) Rugger record, you know. Oh, yeah, it's it's a pretty, uh, yeah, it's a pretty, um, yeah, I think my musical brain definitely has that multiple personality thing going on, like, I kind of all feel, I mean, I, I just always look at, like, I don't know, it's weird, I kind of, like, think of music as more, these, uh, I think of music more as, like, oh, sounds weird to say this, but, like, energy, without sounding like New Age, not yeah, in the yeah. New Age context, but, like, a sort of cusp or ball of energy, you know, yeah. like, a, a ball of energy and intent and sort of, um, uh, I guess color and sort of um, feeling, you know, yeah. like just, and that's how I kind of feel it. And so, a lot of the time, I just feel like lots of things can be really similar, or just yeah. be, or have that sort of um, kinship in a way because they're related in terms of the energy. So, like, so a good example would be like, yeah, something like lightning bolt, and something like Beck. I could I can feel the link to because it's yeah. like the the intention's strong, you know, it's right yeah. up front and it's kind of. Yeah, with what it is. Yeah. Well, it's like I, I sort of uh, always, you know, they say there's only two types of music: good music and bad music, and I think that's actually true. And it, obviously, yeah. the the grey area is that we all get to have a go at deciding which is yeah. you know, which is which. But 
you know, I, I wrote a review just the other day where I said, you know, this belongs to the only genre of music that matters, good music. And, you know, that's that's what it sort of becomes about, is yeah. that when you can spot, and I mean, an English teacher will tell you, think of a better word than good, but I, I would say why, like, you know, yeah. that, that, that sums up, again, it's about that energy. Yeah. That sums up an energy that's coming from something that's positive. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I sort of identify with that a bit too, like in, in, in my listening, which is which is fairly omnivorous and, and always kind of has been. It's nothing mm. to do with reviewing music. It's probably why I got into reviewing music because I felt yeah. like I covered a lot of things anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, can you... Can you place yourself with music where you just pick out one, you know, it might not be your cup of tea, but you can find one colour that works for you. One one instrumentalist, one phrase, one song on an album, whatever it is. Can you, can you do that? Do you have records yeah. in your collection where you're like, you don't actually really like the whole record, but there's something about it. One, oh, yeah, one like person's mood playing is, or yeah. just the particular mood or yeah, there's heaps one of stuff side like of it. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah, there's definitely those yeah. things which are kind of have that, it's that mix of like nostalgia. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's things where you listen to something and it has that kind of, I don't know, I don't know what would be the right thing for it, like musical G-spot or something. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's really crazy. But like, <laughs> that thing where you just kind of, uh, you go, oh my God, this, this music's just taking me out of my body. Yeah. I'm just dissociating from myself and I'm into this other world, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I find that with heaps of music that I've got, I just always go to those places and go, oh, okay, yeah. I'm in this, it's like a memory or something. Yeah, yeah. It's informed this memory, it's given you this memory that you haven't had before. Yeah, yeah, an yeah. experience that you've never actually experienced in real life, but because yeah. the music's so good, it's actually put you in this world. And I think that's. I have a handful of records, and it's not really that. Well, it's probably a double handful that I basically could could never um, get sick of and not want to hear. And you know, like I because they do that, and but then they also are linked. And some of them are linked exactly to the first time I heard them. Yeah. Like <coughs> Coltrane's Love Supreme or yeah. um, you know, DJ Shadow's first introducing yeah. um, Patty Smith Horses, you know, and the um, Beatles Abbey Road. You yeah. know, they're, they're, I might not choose to put them on, but if I find them coming up on random you know, looking for something I see that I might suddenly just be taken with yeah no actually I am going to play that today. Yeah. you know and so I, yeah I have a few like there's probably only a dozen yeah that start to finish they <clears throat> I sort of live inside the world of that record yeah happening. yeah that's, that's a good record well I guess we've got quite quite quickly quite through a lot of your timeline I'm thinking like so that takes us up to the last few years mm. and you've sort of hinted at um, hiding behind the drum machine, yeah. and uh, and you've you've talked a bit about being um, in the worlds of techno and some dance music, as well as always having a hand in experimental stuff like the lab coats and and, and more experimental than then. And you've got a bunch of different sort of pseudonyms <laughs> that you've yeah. put music out yeah. as as a a, a solo act. Yep. Um, one of the prominent ones is Cave Circles, and you've just put out a new 12-inch. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's kind of, Cave Circles has always been that kind of, uh, 
has it been around since the whole Yeru thing actually yeah. I've kind of always kind of been making stuff um, under that kind of under that sort of name but uh, but it's morphed a bit right like it's you, morphed, yeah. you, you were making sort of well what do we call it like um, production beat maker yeah all you know not quite instrumental hip hop but part of that a little bit further out than that but yeah. it sort of still has its seeds in that those sorts yeah. of producers but what you're doing now which I know you've done before but what you're doing now with this say with this 12 is is more towards an, a more old fashioned techno yeah 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 it's kind of like I kind of found that it's I just found a whole new love for it again I mean it's been a long time since I sort of made that music and have been involved with it but yeah. I feel like there's a real kind of um, especially in Wellington actually in New Zealand in general there's a real yeah. kind of emergence of club culture coming back yeah, yeah. so it's quite cool to be sort of observing it again yeah, like coming yeah. back and uh, you know the kids some really fantastic sort of young producers and DJs and stuff out there now and really good parties happening so I've been really lucky enough to be the sort of um, be part of that and play a lot of these parties yeah. and just feeling that thing of like oh you make some music people dance to it it's an automatic response it's not complicated yeah. Yeah. people dance around they have fun and then you finish and it's kind of like a really nice there's no meaning as such to it really yeah. except for that it just serves a purpose it exists for the purpose time for, that it exists yeah. in that space and the purposes yeah yes yeah, to make people sort of move around in yeah. time but, so it's been really I mean it's it's kind of um it's so nice to sort of come back into that because it feels like it's sort of full circle again. Yeah. Um, but I'm just with some more experience behind it now and, and then having this sort of wonderful community of um, in Wellington of like, you know, kids throwing parties like the um, 121 guys and then the Inky Waves yeah. kids and all that crew. Igum as well. Like, and I, yeah. yeah, and then... Yeah. Um, so it's been really cool uh, working in all that and sort of... Um, being sort of allowed to play for an old person yeah <laughs> yeah because i am <laughs> you know compare in comparison it's like playing with your children really sometimes but you know like you know what did everyone say that went and saw sonny rollins play like five years ago you know he was yeah. like 80 with a busted hip yeah but he still you know it was pure love and yeah uh, you know positive energy and great playing that came out of that fucking horn yeah that's you right know? yeah that's and what it's so, about hey? you know <laughs> yeah. in that sense it doesn't matter right like, no nah, it doesn't yeah it's time there's no kind of i mean yeah that's a good thing about music it isn't really ageist as such eh? when yeah. it comes down to it it's sort of it's, maybe it was sported as a bit ageist because it yeah well there are there are limitations and you know yeah. there, would, there, there are some limitations to being able to play music to you know yeah. and I guess drums is a good example of there is a dexterity that's required yeah uh, to play at a certain you know fortunately I've I've never quite got it but myself but like to be able to play at a certain level whether it's speed endurance and stuff you might have to change the way you go yeah. about that but you could still find things to say on that instrument oh and totally yeah also, you're, yeah also you know you're miles off that happening but but uh, you know you watch people play and they still find you know that's right they still find something, something. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah that's yeah. right yeah. so watching Roy Haynes play recently mm. like, is it like 90 now yeah and it's still kind of like still got that beautiful kind of sense of phrasing yeah. and everything yeah. like just, you know it's just beautiful like still yeah it gets sort of body gives out before the mind does you know yeah, kind yeah, of thing yeah. but it's cool I, I feel like there's a um such a great i mean yeah it's just like 
really excited about. So I guess this these. Well. I get these. Um, you were saying. Um, you know, these sort of younger kids, not just responding to the music, but but making it. Some of the producers there, and I guess it's that thing that they've grown up in a. They've grown up to embrace the technology first time around. Yeah. To not have to worry about the organic bad habits they've. Yeah. Learned that you know it doesn't feel natural to them to shake off and to to go to the machine first. Yeah. They've learned to put their heart and soul into the machine and therefore see some of their heart and soul come out of it rather than argue that oh it's all clinical and mechanical and it's not going to be the same. As... That's right. Yeah. 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 Well, the so... lot of the kids. Uh... I call them kids, they're not really kids, mm, they're mm, like, mm. it's like 25, 26, but I yeah. look at them as like, my kids, but you know, you guys like, um, Corey Champion, yeah, like yeah, Broca yeah. Sets and Mongo Skato, yeah. and um, even like Catherine K2K, all these, there's a bunch of these kids making great music, Yeah. that have come from sort of, it's quite interesting, because they've come, they have this kind of, I feel like it's, I mean, I lived with Corey for a while, which was great, and I'm going, man, how does he get his head around so much stuff in terms of mm. technology? And mm. even as simple things like on Facebook going, oh, you didn't get these messages because you didn't check this thing or whatever. You know, I'm going, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I feel like such a n- nonce. But, you know, but it's quite interesting because you get this mix of like these kids who like really sort of have this intuition with it. But at the same time, McCoy went through jazz school, a fantastic yeah. drummer. Yeah. Tom's the same, like Mongo Skato's yeah. a really great proficient musician, you know, and they've kind yeah. of. And now we'll only DJ records like this. Yeah. They kind of come, they brought it around full circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want a laptop when we play, we just want to either play um, records or just CDs that we've made ourselves. So it's um, it's really refreshing energy. And I actually feel like I'm learning so much from, because I, I still believe, man, like you can, you know, like as much as uh, I really, I really think like the pure kind of musical heart it's like with sort of younger people and the energy's always yeah. there you know it's always still excites me i'm still a kid at heart with that i never was sort of grow into like oh, i better play better play 41 year old music now <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we're yeah. not be doing that you better be like <laughs> you know it should be like um fuck you know like you need to be like thinking about a singer songwriter career now mm-hmm. or something or um I don't know what forty-one-year-old music is. I guess I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll find out in a few months. But but um, I was going to say it probably is. If it is something, it probably Wilco. is. I was just going to say it probably is something like Wilco. I mean, and I'm no staunch defender of them anymore. But is that such a bad thing? I mean, that's no, guys. That's guys that great, can yeah. fucking play. You know, okay, like, they're amazing. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I, I'm less interested in their music these days than I was. Yeah. But I was a big fan a while ago. But I would say that's probably pretty okay. Forty-one-year-old music. Oh, that's good. That's good music. Yeah, well, it wasn't dead rock, hey? Yeah. Dead rock. I think. <laughs> Dead rock ain't a bad thing at all. Yacht rock became sort of dead, dead rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, Thundercat has got um, Kenny like, Loggins. Kenny and Loggins and Michael because <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of shading it on cool to have Michael McDonald, but it's a big ask to tell people that Kenny Loggins was ever cool, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he's gone there. What do you think of that record? Oh, I think it's. Oh, man, he's the Thundercat gig was amazing. I yeah. mean, the Spheres we played support for him yeah. at the thing, and uh, was, I remember like we played, we played a really weird kind of improv set. That was really cool. We had this kind of let's play one long tune, mm. these different forms through it. You know? Yeah. 
and uh, and improvises the whole kind of thing with this weird vocal chant and blah blah blah. Of course, Thundercats music is kind of completely different. That's kind yeah. of ballistic, kind yeah. of intense, fucking virtuosic like, playing, and like and with, mixed with this really kind of sweet, kind of like, <laughs> soulful, soulful like, vocal thing. Eh? Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty genius. Yeah, yeah, it's like and amazing, you know. But remember, we come off the stage in Thundercat and um, and Justin, uh, um, I think it's, I can't remember his name, David or Daniel, the keyboard player. Yeah, I'm like going, oh, you guys are cool, man. <laughs> like the way, because they must have just had lots of bands that would sound tried to, try to be that. So we can put like, they, these weirdos in these costumes. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna admit, I mean, I, I didn't see the opening set. I I really couldn't get into that Thundercat gig, mm. but obviously I thought they were fucking phenomenal. Like yeah. I wasn't, I'm not an idiot, and I was blown away by them. The, the players but it was I mean I felt the same way about the D'Angelo gig I mean yeah. I felt really let down by the gig but these are yeah. records that I love and yeah. uh, that new Thundercat record I think is phenomenal like I can't yeah. stop listening to that I think that's I mean I guess that's going to be this year's like you know Kendrick album or something you know, yeah. or Flying Lotus album you know it's going to be you know at least one of those guys puts out a record to oh. knock it off its perch yeah. and, it, and it's not going to happen because it's going to always have its own yeah. perch you know it's its own thing but I, I feel like this album I mean this obviously this guy's done a phenomenal amount of music in a pretty short space of time but um, I feel like this is the kind of real um, what uh, sort of unifying, solidifying record for him for the voice that he's trying to put across musically. Yeah. But then they go and take it to the stage and play it at like kind of breakneck speed. Yeah. So it'll, I'd be interested in seeing them do it again. Now I'm much more connected to this material. You know, like yeah. I like I like the previous couple of albums, but I just yeah, just kind of maybe it was just the mood I was in on the line. I kind of. Quite I know, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. It's pretty hard to connect. That's like I, I felt exactly the same way. You're kind of more in awe of the yeah of what's going of the, on. Then of uh, the dexterity, and then yeah, of the actual music. Mm, mm. The music kind of got lost behind this sort it of. It did, and I think that I think that was my frustration was because I'd heard the records enough to know that well, fuck, this is music that's full of music. Yeah. But I just, um, you know, you needed you like, you know, it was like notes being thrown at you like a swarm of bees you know yeah. <laughs> it's like that's fucking impressive but what is it what does it actually mean so that's what we didn't talk about was orchestra of spheres mm. so because I've I mean I, I really love that band but I have yet to see them since you've been playing with them you've been playing with them for a while now yeah it's been uh, over a year it's been yeah a couple been, of years a year and a half yeah. we came out two years I've been to yeah. China with them and stuff yeah 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 it feels like we've done like a lifetime of gigs I was going to say yeah yeah the band just uh, yeah oh man that's you know what like because that's a fucking cool band oh man and you know it's quite interesting reflecting back on past stuff and mm. and uh, like with Trinity and, and back and da 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 and you know as grateful as I am for those experiences I can't I couldn't be more grateful for yeah. Being in this band, I've never felt yeah. so more um, at home. But for a start, I mean, you know, Dan, now Erica, just such yeah. fantastic people, yeah. as humans, and I've always, you know, so much respect for what they do in terms of what they do for the musical community yeah, yeah, yeah. outside of the spheres, and and just their sort of, uh, you know, they're just beautiful human beings, you know. And I've always been a massive fan of the spheres. Yeah, They've yeah, always yeah. been a favourite band of mine. Yeah. So it's like, in a way, it's like, well, out of everything I've ever done, this is like, yeah. definitely like the dream come true. And it's well, it's yeah, yeah it's it's a cool thing when you get to well, actually, because we 
one thing we share is because we've both played with the spines. Yeah. And uh, mine, mine very fleetingly, but um, you know, and I've done, oh, you know, but I fucking love, you know, that's it. Totally. I, yeah. I understand that experience. That that is a band that was. Very, I mean, you introduced me to John. Yeah. And I, you know, and I've, I talked with him about this on, on this podcast, but you know. I had that record and I had no idea who he was. Yeah. And in a way, it wasn't that he was the least interesting. As soon as I heard it, he became the most interesting person. But it's like I knew who the other people on that record were. Yeah. With Ross and Yeah, Ross was on it. So that's why, basically, that's why I bought it. Because Ross was on it. And I thought the cover, which John did, was fucking great. But then I take it home and listen to it and go, what are these fucking strange, brilliant, fucked up songs? Like, where do they come from? What are they? And and so then you're like, oh, I'm playing on the spines. Do you know them? And I was like, "Fuck, I do know that band." Yeah. And then we met John at the pub one night, and um, you know, so you know, then I sort of catch up with him down the road about a year old or so, and yeah, so I know what it's like to just on a simple level to yeah. jo- to fleetingly for me join a band or fill in for a band that you're a fan of. Yeah. Well, that's uh, I feel the same about John as well. Like, um, I think he's just. You know, John's a monumental kind of song, like yeah. unsung, like guys, yeah. guys, the he best is. songs out of anyone, and like, um, yeah, and so many as you know, like yeah. so many of them that are all yeah. brilliant, and and and, and doesn't yeah. repeat himself, doesn't repeat himself, and uh, is the real uh, John's the real deal, yeah, yeah, um, in it for the right reasons, you know, again, the, the whole kit caboodle backstory is music, the whole reason for doing it is just always about expression, music, art. Music, yeah. yeah, and actually, and very much a master of it, you yeah. know, and has a again, it's done that thing where he's just found a unique voice within himself and and has mastered that, you know, it's yeah. just kind of like he's not sort of pulling out kind of uh McCartneyisms or yeah, 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 that's right. It's totally, they're all McCleryisms, eh? They're kind of all of them as this, like, no one else can do what he does, yeah, and but what he does excels so many other things, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I look at I look at John the same way as I look at the spheres too. Yeah, I think yeah. they're very much again. It's like look with the spheres, they're like very much. It's always about the music. But I can know? see how that would fit your musical personality. Like as I say, I have seen the spheres play a couple of times, and and knowing you and what you bring to the table, and knowing and you know I like the records, the orchestra spheres records. So I could I could already hear in my head how you would be able to. Um, you know, it touches on a lot of different things that you've either already played or are listening to. You know, so yeah. it's like you, you can, you can, it's a little bit lab coats, it's a little bit lightning bolt, yeah. it's a little bit filler. You know, yeah. it's you know, and then it's got all sorts of other things going on as well. Yeah, that's right. It's it's cool, man. Like it kind of, it's always really inspiring. Like we go away and do gigs, and you kind of come away feeling like. I mean, even like two weeks ago, we went to Explore and played in Auckland, you know, and talking with Dan, you know, Dan's always got really great concepts about the music and yeah. so forth, and and uh, always kind of, you're just always kind of thinking about the music in different ways, and and then again, you know, these guys can really play, and they really understand music, just, um, especially rhythm and stuff. Yeah, to yeah. quite a deep level, so it's yes. always like... You gotta kind of um, at the same time as you're part of a band and you're giving to that to that group, it feels like you're getting a lot back in terms of uh, learning about different things. And, and he um, has this great way of Dan has this great way of sort of like 
creating like a little micro rhythm on the guitar. Oh, he's an incredible. I mean, he's a music- great musician. Oh, I, I know man, that because yeah. I've seen him play it. You know, I used to love going to the um, not just friends but the space and seeing him yep. involved in sort of trio gigs. And uh, and it might be like two drummers and then him doing something. Yeah. On the guitar. Was oh, it the or, rubbernecks? Yeah. Well, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> rubbernecks. But then there's you know like there's other things. Heaps of things. Yeah, yeah. 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 Some some sort of ad hoc thing sometimes too, and little duos and trios and things. But yeah. But um, yeah. He has this sort of great way of sort of stating the start of a rhythm on the guitar. And yeah. Then, then sort of creating some sort of melody and then the actual rhythm sort of keeps kind of undulating and then becomes the melody almost. yeah yeah that's right yeah I love that, that sort of switch around yeah it happens yeah. with that band oh man it's such an exciting band to play in so what was it like going to china oh that was with amazing. that user I mean, it was, <laughs> that was amazing man it was um yeah it was intense it was so full-on it was um traveling by train traveling by train I mean if anything on paper it's probably one of the most kind of like for somebody like me it's probably like whoa what are you seeing this guy on what a tour like like, um, uh, like a dozen gigs in, in 15 days or yeah like we did, I think we did like 11 or 12 gigs in 13 days yeah, in right. different cities like yeah. the city's averaging like 30 million people kind of thing <laughs> yeah. but you know what I think it'll I mean Again, a, a good band like that. It's just, yeah. It feels so kind of. Well, that's truly. Home. A, that's yeah. very much a band that's playing a kind of universal music. Yeah. In that you either. Not so much you either get it or you don't, but a softer version of that, you're either open to it or you aren't. Like, yeah. I can see why people go, oh, that doesn't have what I want out of music. Yeah, yeah. Because there are people who just want verse, chorus, verse. Yeah. And so you're not going to get that. Yeah. But um, I feel like it's the sort of music that would in a live context should win people over and more it, yeah. often than it doesn't yeah it does it seems to work that way like we um we played recently at the um Hastings kind of, um jazz on the Sunday yeah. in the park thing how know? was that <laughs> it's kind of like you know we sort of turn up in our in our yeah. gears and yeah. like there's lots of sort of elderly people with their sun chairs yeah you just sitting under these trees you and just then, described Hastings and uh and it was amazing the sort of um the guy who was hosting it sort of was kind of like almost kind of apologized a bit (laughs) didn't really just go okay so we're in for something a little bit different (laughs) a little bit special jazz odyssey (laughs) and uh so it's kind of um and we sort of came through and i think people thought who are these freaks but then i I felt like we had won a lot of people over by the end of it because i think it's just you know, like, I think there's underlying with this fears too. There's, there's this kind of really awesome musicality, but there's yes. also this kind of sense of humour. Yes, that, fun. They're fun. You know, it doesn't yeah, take yeah. it. Um, you know, and we wear the costumes and stuff to like sort of have to take away that performance aspect. Yes. We like sort of writhing around, pretending to be someone you're not. Well, you if, just chuck a costume on. And play yeah, music. yeah, and I feel like um, if you guys did that music without the costumes, it could. Weird. Well, I'm sure you'd all find it really weird now having done. That that's what it does but also it could come across as a bit like a I don't know what like a bit math rock or something you know yeah. like a bit a bit like you not only are taking the music seriously but you're taking yourself seriously suddenly yeah. and that's not that's not right for that's for right what's yeah. Happening there. yeah that's right and it's got a um there's a sort of whole feeling around the spheres too which is sort of 
so it's so generous in, in terms of its sort of collaborative spirit as yeah. well I feel like it's sort of there's no like okay I've written the song you've got to do this you've got to do that I'm going to do this and then we've got the song it's very much like we all sort of feed into it and but that sort of extends outwards as well yeah so it's um now that's why we'll do things like processions to the crowd we'll just try and bring in yeah. different elements into it we'll work with you know like really awesome artists that are yeah. around to make videos yeah even like Laurie Watts made us a video yeah yeah and um I was just I think it really feels like there's a seriousness to it but it's also kind of the fun never leaves I've never laughed so much in a band like yeah. in all my life than I have with those guys they're like yeah. um and yeah I'm so grateful like to be in that band it's kind of like it's definitely like out of every, as I said before you know, everything would be yeah, like yeah. feels like this is like the the top of the curve you know like so it's really cool because it's like it's so expansive yeah and there's never you can take ideas along to the spheres and stuff like oh I don't really want to do that mate yeah yeah, yeah my everything song about my um, dog dying I'm write that it's kind of like let's make a song about um what's the other one about uh like the omniverse or we've got like yeah i mean this is kind of all sorts of weird stuff we can conjure up you know yeah, yeah. in terms of um but yeah it's really exciting because it's kind of well you know the next sort of you know we're heading back to europe this year and yeah and we've got another record, record kind of br- yeah. brewing away and it's just again essentially it's always just about the music you yeah know, it's just kind of everything is about that it's not yeah. about like going oh shit we need to go and um okay we need to hustle up another couple of levels now so we get these yeah. gigs and get this kind of um need to be seen by these people or da 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 it's well, kind of like one time i saw the spheres which i thought was really cool and I, and I feel like it must have been actually just very close to before you joined was when they did something for like a kids festival oh, the Paramount, yeah. and um which was only the other year and and um uh, God, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it re- you know really kind of worked. You could see these kids just absolutely mesmerised, a little bit spooked. Yeah. You know, some some little kids were a little bit weirded out by some of it, <laughs> but on the right side, you know, yeah. just 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 sort of not knowing quite whether what was real and what wasn't. Yeah, what's going and on? And clearly, a lot of I would imagine what it looked like a lot of parents who were only going because they're taking their kid and they don't actually know what they're going to get but then they were like t- particularly towards the end sort of up the front you know bo- yeah. boogieing like I could imagine a lot of people going I took my kid to this thing now I want to look up their record and listen to it you know by yeah. myself and I might Is go it... and you know see them in the pub the next time they're playing somewhere where it's not a kid's thing so yeah, I, I, which is which is itself is a pretty good skill to be able to do that to play to those two very distinct audiences, adults and children. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like the Spheres is one of those bands where it has that kind of um, where there's no limit on the imagination in terms yes. of what what's going on musically yeah. or visually even. Yeah, yeah. But then still will attract the kind of like raving kind of um, wigged out kind of party animal type, yeah. you know. So it's kind of yeah. the two worlds. Um, so the you know, someone who's on mushrooms or something would just all get into it just as much as a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's quite cool because it's like, again, when you kind of remove all that sort of um, idea of a genre or anything like that, you just kind of can just be in your own world and that's what it... really feel like that's what um, that band's about, you know. So what's the sort of... 
I don't want to say end goal, but what's the kind of what's keeping you doing this? I mean, you do so much different stuff. I mean, you might not it might not all get afforded equal weight, but what I like is that hopefully anyone listening has already gathered this from what we've talked about. But you don't really shy away from anything. You know, you'll 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 have a go at at anything if if you can see a validity to it. And that validity can sometimes be a pain often yeah. a paycheck you have to have those yeah. things so you might not be plastering it all over your personal Facebook page but you, you'll you'll do some wedding DJing you'll play at a covers band you mm-hmm. do that stuff yeah. um, but you'll also play in a costume where no one knows it's you under a name when no one knows it's you um, you know doing all these different things so what what's the kind of what are you trying to seek out of doing all and any of this what does it give you um i reckon it's kind of uh it's about gathering putting in your basket like experience you know yeah every i've kind of the more the sort of further into it i go especially now having you know uh with children you know i've got my akiva and nuchia and so like so the more sort of head into that it's like well i can't just be like this artist now that just goes and uh, makes beats all day and yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. actually have to have some kind have of some, a outcome backup plan, a backup plan yeah, yeah, contingency yeah, yeah. plan that actually's gonna like yeah. make sure food's on the table yes. or that can support the kids and like be there for them and just be there and and you know presently with them you know not having yeah. to be away all the time so with that becomes like well it changes it changes the dynamic of what you're doing but you know I, the, the end goal of what I've trying to get out of it you know I just don't know it's like this huge mystery you know yeah, it's yeah, kind of yeah. like you're still all I know is figure it out still yeah. figuring it out and I'll probably figure it out once I start going <gasps> and then that's it you know I go oh okay I'm figuring it out oh it's too late <laughs> so it's kind of um you know I think I just keep you know I don't really don't feel like I'm that good at anything else and I don't know if I'm actually good at that good at what I'm doing now but <laughs> oh come on but you know what I mean yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a harsh I'm really critical of myself sure but you understand when yeah. you've hit it out of the park to yeah, whatever level sometimes you know? yeah but sometimes you go oh yeah that was good that was alright and then mm. but you know he's got to I just something I probably learned from Ant actually is just, yeah. just to be like you know never stop being self critical because it's like of course since you as soon as you give that up, then you just kind of give it up, you know. So. Oh, I, I think I, um, um, I don't know if I've told this story on this on this podcast yet. Maybe, maybe I haven't. It hasn't actually come out yet. Maybe it's in one of the files that's sitting to be edited. But um, you know, Ant Donaldson is is one of the absolute finest, and you know, you know that. Um, and one day I was in Slowboat, and he'd played a gig the night before, and he just sort of popped up out of you know behind one of the racks. Like he does, <laughs> yeah. and uh, he usually sees me and says, um, "You know, g'day." And some days that's it, and yeah, other days, fine. yeah, and other days it's like, you know, um, you know, what do you think about this? Do you yeah. hold up a record cover or whatever? But on this day, he just went. Uh, he knew I'd seen him play in Teeth the night before, and he just popped up and he goes, uh, "Someone told me, or he said, someone told me you were there last night. How was it?" And he was really, and he's like, "I really need to know." And I said, "It was great. It was really good." He's all. You're good because you can be quite you can be quite critical. You can be quite harsh. And, it, <laughs> and what I loved about it was, this is a different context for Ant to be playing in. Yeah. And here he is, a guy who has done so much. You know, I mean, I've got Rick. I, I've got you know, I grew up hearing him play before I knew it was him. Yeah. And then walking in, not knowing who he was, and him blowing my mind. And I, I remember the first time I met him was 
the day, I think the day after I saw a Razor Blades gig, he walked into the music shop I was working oh, at. Yeah. And it was, it was in, within days anyway. It was that week. And it was, I felt like I was meeting a star. Yeah. You know, because it had blown me away that much. And I said that to him. And he was kind of like, oh, that's great. You know, like, cool. But then here, here he is, like, nearly 20 years later going, like, I really give a shit about what you think about this because the, the, what, he's, what he's not saying is, this is music I don't, I don't normally do. This is kind of new to me. Or I haven't done it for a while or whatever. It's not his usual comfort zone stuff. So he really wanted to get someone else's perspective on... Oh, that's awesome. And I was just like, fuck, you know, it didn't make me feel, you know, he would have sought that opinion out from anyone. Um, but I just thought that was, that was, yeah, awesome that a guy of that level yeah, still gives a shit about, fuck, I hope I didn't fold it oh, all or fuck it up, you know. It's Anthony, though. He's yeah. Just, he just cares about, he just cares about, every, and just... And, you, and you're like that a bit too. Like yeah. You probably got some of that from him, is yeah, what totally, you're saying, yeah. but you're like yeah, that. You know, like you'll, you'll walk off and, and go, well, you know, was that any good? And there'll be yeah. people that'll go, I've watched people, I've watched people watch you play, and people pick their faces up off the floor because you find room to put a fill in a place where no one ever thought one could go. Or you sit back for longer than anyone else and don't do one because that ends up being the better thing to do. And in both cases, people are going, fuck, how does he think to do that? Or, you know, how is he that? And, and, you, and you come off and go, well, was that any good or was that shit? Yeah, you know? oh, that's, that's, just, that's the kind of part of the curse for that, I guess. Uh, I reckon it's in a way you kind of go, oh, fuck. Because, I mean, part of the, the mechanism to kind of make you think of playing and constructing yeah. these things is also sort of flips around and, and yes. is self-critical. So those yeah. same mechanisms can reverse and... And uh, but it's good though. I mean, it's yeah. But it's definitely one thing event that I've picked up is just to be really care about the music in a way to the point with what you've got. You yeah. know, um, obviously as things change. I mean, I think you did say to me once ages ago. You know, now you're having children, things will change. You know, yeah. you just can't be. You just can't. And, and actually, Ant said to me one thing that really stuck with me. It was like, there's more to life than music. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was kind of like quite outlandish for him to yeah, say. Yeah, goes, yeah, yeah. There's actually more to life than music, you know. Yeah. Like there's actually, you know, you, you know, and I totally get what he means, and I, I can see it because you know, like, so getting to that kind of point where you just go, there actually is more life than music. Music becomes more part of your life because it's like, well, yeah, it doesn't become this kind of commodity. Doesn't become a job. Doesn't become a sort of thing. And yeah, yeah. good things happen. You just kind of yeah. play through, and you go, well, you know. Um, let's try and make music for the kids now, you know, just as like an expression, go, well, yeah. one day I'm not going to be here. And they still have these artifacts that I've left them that yeah. they know that they can always go, well, well, this is cool. My dad made this for me or whatever. So. Yeah. It's interesting that, isn't it? Like, like a lot of kids, um, you know, I mean, do they, do they, do they kids that whose parents aren't creatives, you know, like they get, obviously get everything else, you know, good yeah. parenting or whatever, but, you know, I always think it's a very strong thing to have something like that. What you're talking about to leave behind is a bit more important than a gold watch, you know? Yeah. To say, not in terms of understanding the person, but in terms of understanding the work that they did. Yeah. And then obviously the person through that. That's right, um, yeah. But, you know, like, you know, it's like you said to me before we started recording, when, when I said Oscar said that I want to be a, he wants to be a writer, and I said, fuck, I... 
I, I hope for so much more for you than that. <laughs> and you know, you identified well whatever's going on there outside of him just connecting what I do. Yeah. Um, he's understanding that there's a consistency that I'm turning up and trying to do this. Yeah. And you know, like I didn't know anything about what my dad did. You know, yeah. I, knew, I knew he went off and sold cars, but all it meant to me was a different car came home at night. I didn't actually wasn't until I was a teenager that I got any purchase on seeing what he did. Yeah, right. You know, at all. And that's because he paid me a couple of bucks to fucking wash cars. You know, yeah. it wasn't so I was actually there. So Yeah. Which is isn't such a bad thing. But like I didn't have any concept as a little kid of what he did at all. Yeah. You know? So yeah. if you can play your kids something, show them something. Show know? them yeah, yeah. something you've done you go, Well, I can do that too. Exactly. Like, can I like do something from start to finish and yeah. go and then it's that whole thing of like going, well, that was made for me, or like, yeah, um, yeah, like the wonderful noise release I'm going to do, but at some stage, um, yeah, it's for Kiva. It's about him yeah, and yeah, his yeah. gestation, him being his like journey. a young boy, yeah. and that's just like it's dedicated. The whole album's dedicated to him, so it's like that's cool, and it's it's actually no other reason to make it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. like oh, I'm going to put this out now because I want to get like you know da da da. It's actually yeah. not just going to make it, and actually, and by actually sort of making 200 copies or whatever it's just sort of like you're sharing it to the point where you go well there's enough of them around yeah but it's, it's they'll move for the purpose for, and they'll move for around you, yeah. to other people if other people want to yeah want to help them be heard and if other people want to hear them yeah that's right it's kind of yeah. like making music for your family and for your friends in a way yeah, it comes yeah, back yeah. to that in a weird way just yeah. gonna go well just make just do it for no don't want to be like a career musician as music stuff. as community yeah. yeah well is there anything else I mean, is there anything else you got going on or that you want to plug or is oh. there anything um uh what else is going on anything um, else you got going on you want to talk about oh um oh, I just wanted to like uh I just wanted to add to sort of like really wanted to give like Dave Long a bit of a yeah shout out because it's um kind of felt like I've missed him out of this whole picture right, of what yeah, I was talking yeah. about and like with Dave being um, I mean he's like one of my dearest friends and yeah. um, he's been a very good pretty amazing person and you know human being yeah, but felt like I've learned so much of Dave in terms of making music and um, uh, he sat where you sat uh, sitting now a couple of months ago and I just put the podcast up recently and I felt like I learned so much just talking to him that day Yeah. and I mean I, I know him a bit and we've had other conversations but yeah, like, yeah he's a great musician but he's just a great person to talk to oh yeah and just um, yeah and he's one of those people that will bring the best kind of musicali- mu- yeah. musicality out of you and um yeah, and it's been, I mean, because we play together in the lab coast, and, say, yeah, and yeah. Um, I've played on quite a few of Dave's films, because, you know, he's a pretty great sort of film yeah. composer, so I've yeah. learned so much from him as yeah. well. And, and he's had, yeah. he's produced, did he produce one of Layla's records? Yep, yeah, he produced he, Cherry, uh, Pie? Cherry Pie, yeah. yeah. Which you would have played on. Yep, yeah, yeah played on that with uh, Jeff Henderson and yeah. Tom yeah. Corwood, um, which is, it's called Playing With Layla This Weekend, which is um, the Newtown Festival. Yeah, right. Um, so we've been rehearsing at my house for the past yeah. this past week, and we've got um, two more rehearsals. But so cool to visit those songs we played through. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We played Cherry Pie last night yeah, and right. Answer Phone, and um, they're great songs. I mean, oh, you know, I yeah. like everything that she's. You know, I know you're a. I mean, you've played on all of her stuff, and you're a big fan too. But yeah, like I, I think. I mean, the first record is good, but I think that Cherry Pie is a really, really strong record. But I think that stuff still really stands up. Yeah. Oh, that's um, 
It's definitely one of the. Um, there'd be one album I've always been really say, proud of. I remember you like, saying to me ages ago, like probably a decade ago, that that was one of your um, favourite experiences yeah. working on that record and, and being proud of that material. Yeah, I yeah. still am, like to this yeah. day. And, yeah. Um, that's so, so cool that's to see later. Obviously, part of Dave. Yeah. Dave. That's part of Dave. Big yeah. Part of that too. Yeah. Yeah, and um, just as he's like a magician, eh? he's he's like that as a friend. He's like that as a you know, yeah. <laughs> just brings the best out of you, and he does that with um, yeah. Well, I think that I've always had a. I mean, it's not my absolute favourite go-to Dave Dobbin album, but the Welcome Home album, the album's called Available Light with Welcome Home on it. I've always had a real. Um, good feeling about that record something yeah. there's something very strong about that as an as an album like yeah. you know he's he's it's it's got no bad songs on it obviously he's written better songs on other albums because he's he's fucking great but yeah i was sort of talking to dave long and reconnecting with the idea that he was a producer on that record that made yeah. me go well that's that's probably <laughs> why i ha- you know that's probably a part yeah. of why i feel something really special that I can't quite articulate about yeah. that record it's him sprinkling his pixie it's, dust again yeah. yeah Dave's pixie dust yeah. yeah yeah he's definitely got that um sort of got that amazing power of suggestion and sort yeah. of like encouragement you know kind yeah. of all wrapped in and sort of yeah it's wonderful man like always kind of you know I can sort of feels like we can sort of do these you know like scores and stuff for films yeah. that are quite complicated but it's just somehow can just manage through them yeah, <laughs> just yeah. with Dave at the helm you know we go so, oh it was good but yeah we should try that again like this and um, it's going to be better that way and it always is you know yeah it's a good point you keep you keep bringing up things and I think fuck that's right you've done that too so I was thinking like you did that sort of like orchestral percussion stuff on the um, Beyond the Edge soundtrack yeah, yeah which is amazing I mean the, the soundtrack is amazing the film yeah. is amazing but that score yeah it's so just cool incredible. man it's, yeah, I'm always so blown away by how he... Dave's such a kind of like, you know, he's... I mean, you would think that was like the world's biggest, most expensive orchestra working on some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, something, hey, yeah. You know, like... Yeah. And it's sort of guarded sheds. It's like the guarded yeah, shed yeah, version yeah. of like orchestral yeah. scoring, but like in the best possible way. Yeah, Dave's son, um, Francie's got... Oh, Dave's actually got a, a little kind of uh, toy floor tom. Yeah. And snare drum, I think, or bass drum and floor tom. And uh, we do lots of the kind of like yeah. on those, you know, like <laughs> it's pretty funny. You know, like yeah, yeah. it's kind of um, we demo heaps of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then we always get into these things too. I think it happened on Beyond the Edge. Oh, actually, it might have been two little boys um, sort of playing this kind of marching rhythm. Yeah. Where I just improvised this thing. I mean, all these roughs and drags and things yeah. through it. And he's going, okay, that's good. Now we just need to do that like 10 times now. And they're going, oh, I have to go back and remember what I've <laughs> remember done. Remember what I've yeah. So I put myself in the foot. <laughs> um, it's very much Dave. And is the lab coat still a, a sporadic entity? Or is it just too hard to put all those people together? It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> when it does happen, it, yeah. it's... Um, yeah, it's um, it's always really, it's great. You know, I think because everybody's so busy yeah, and yeah, like yeah. it's just dumb. But when it does happen, it's. I mean, this is a band of what at least half a dozen people. Yeah. And I'm sure you can put on a gig, miss a gig member or two, but at least half a dozen people, and just about everyone in that band is isn't at least half a dozen other projects. <laughs> That's right. It's such a kind of yeah. Um, I think Toby Lang and I are like the two kind of. It would be like the younger dudes in the yeah, yeah. So we're kind of like the rookies. Yeah. 
in a way. Um, but what I call such like, and it's really interesting because you know, like if somebody from the lab coats can't make the gig or whatever, it's not the same. No, thing. yeah, so it's right. definitely like a collective. Yeah, right. One of those those uh, sort of um, examples of like a group that's found its group personality. Sort of yeah, yeah. Group mentality, sort yeah. of mental being. Yeah, there. yeah. And you revisited. Um, Trinity, you guys did the Trinity reunion. I mean, this was many years oh, ago now. Yeah, yeah, did the Trinity, uh, and, and there I, was a lot of love for that. How was it for it you? It was cool. It was really nice to sort of jump back and do it, but um, my heart just wasn't in it. I just yeah. wasn't in the same kind of uh, in the world, and I just kind of felt like I just needed to um, bail out, and yeah. just needed someone else there that had the energy, and you know, yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of, um, and I've been stoked with you know, it's so cool to see them. You know, like it was really great to see. Uh, trying to come out with a new album and stuff I thought that yeah. was good you know it was so good just to be able to because it could be so easy for that kind of thing just to kind of to get off the circuit those, and then yeah. just play all the sort of songs that, so uh, and I know that they're working on new stuff now I just yeah. think it's going to get um, I really believe that it'll just get better and better with those guys and um, I really just hope it does and um, I'm actually in a lot of ways just happy it's still going you know yeah. I feel like this Trinity's like this sort of sort of embracing mother you know like it's got well, it's, it's you know it's probably to some well to some people I would say it's its own little uh, movement on its own like when people talk about flying nun or the Dunedin movement or whatever like and there was a there was this whole sort of welly dub scene thing that people talked about no one really quite knew what that was or what, <laughs> yeah. or what that meant um but I think Trinity Roots on its own was like kind of a band that hooked a lot of people into music or Kiwi music or yeah. know, local music. So I'm sure that, that, yeah, that fondness will stick around for a long time. Yeah, I think it will. And it, um, it doesn't feel like, you know, with. It feels like it's in such a good place now with Trinity that I can, yeah, it's coming back to like the music again. Yeah. You know, like it's, it takes a while for the dust to settle and it's like you know so it becomes about the music and, yeah. and then I think when you have to worry about business side of things you know it can become really hard to have that balance of like the artistic kind of integrity and sort of keeping the whole ship afloat at the same time it's yeah. quite a tricky thing to do yeah so um but yeah no I just I'm, I'm excited for them eh? I just kind of hope and it's that it works out well it's yeah. quite funny because Erica who I play with in the spheres is uh, Ben Wood's partner who's yeah. in Trinity so yeah, it's kind right. of this yeah. weird sort yeah. of uh, interbreeding going on with the well that's just Wellington bands it's Wellington like, bands um, well we should probably wrap it up only awesome, because man. yeah it's been real I mean I want to say personally I mean I haven't actually seen you for a while so it's kind of like we've we've talked about doing this for a while you're on my list of um, of people to talk to when I first started thinking about doing a podcast and, uh, and, and we've actually I've been dining out for a year and a half on your music your oh. your little theme tune thing sting, and I've mentioned this a couple of times but um, that's the theme the soundtrack to the podcast is, is something that you either slaved over for five years or knocked out in five minutes <laughs> yeah. I don't I, you know you probably can't I, remember I've got a new one for you <laughs>